Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Milo, and you're listening to the Physician Empowerment Podcast. At Physician Empowerment, we're focused on transforming the lives of Canadian physicians through education and finance, practice transformation, wellness, and leadership. After you've listened to today's episode, I encourage you to visit us at physempowerment.ca, that's P-H-Y-S, empowerment.ca, to learn more about the many resources we have to help you make that change in your own life, practice, and personal finances. Now on to today's episode. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Kevin Milo, one of the co-founders of Physician Empowerment. And today we've got Dr. Wing Lim, another co-founder, interviewing Jason Pisesky. And Jason is a tax lawyer with KPMG. And the three of us go back a number of years. But uh, today's topic is probably going to be one of our best, one of our most relevant and very unique, because this is not something you typically find when you sit down with your accountant, um, your financial planner, or even your regular lawyer. And what Jason's going to be doing is um, getting interviewed by Wing as they go through different aspects of tax law and why this applies to incorporated physicians and why everybody should be consulting with the tax lawyer as we go through our financial lives. And so with that being said, I think I'm going to step back. I'm going to let you, Wing, um, go for it and let's get started. Okay, sure. Yeah. Welcome, everyone. And so, yeah, I'm I'm Dr. Wing Lim. I'm one of the co-founders of Physician Empowerment. And so this webinar series slash podcast, because every webinar would be reincarnated as podcast. And I'm working on still the proper motto, but we interview interesting people on interesting topics that uh, will impact physicians' lives, will, will help physicians live better lives. And with that, uh, Kevin's reminding me to put a plug in May 6th and 7th. Make sure you guys register for that. Uh, this year, uh, it's going to be Dynamo. And uh, May 6th, 7th, it's, it's going to be jam-packed with information. And uh, we're actually going to invite Jason in Sunday, uh, the 7th, as part of the panel discussion. And it's basically a roundtable, AMA, ask me anything about well planning and, and whatnot. So Jason and I went back a while back. So this is supposed to be a fireside chat. I'm sorry, I couldn't get find a fireside background. And uh, Jason, as you can tell, is a really lovely dude and he doesn't have a big ego, unlike most other tax lawyers I've met. <laughs> and uh, so actually I met Jason, what, probably five years before we talked on a professional basis, hey? So uh, I met Jason on a dance floor <laughs> of all places. And why would we meet on a dance floor? Because it, it's one of those life after 50, what are you gonna do when you turn 50? And uh, my wife says, let's go dance. And uh, it took her only four years <laughs> for me to say yes. And I danced like Pinocchio and my kids corrected me and say, no dad, Pinocchio can dance. Oh, okay, I stand correct. I can't even dance like Pinocchio. And that's where we met in the dance lesson, right? And so, so we had a lot of fun in, in the class. And then a number of years later, Jason, I don't know how much of that do you remember? I was kind of stuck in, 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 a, in a spot, right? And uh, I was doing major corporate reorg and a few tax strategies. And uh, we hired a tax lawyer. No, sorry. Yes, we hired a tax lawyer through a specific accountant who crapped himself as the tax accountant. And then we were just stuck because the, the billing was crazy. What they proposed was re ridiculous in terms of price. And they're not very honest with the pricing, with the, with the billing practice. And then anyways, I, I turn over to, to Jason and says, Jason, I think you're a tax lawyer, right? 
<laughs> and then we went and and turned on file and and Jason and his group uh, that was a top tax firm and they they revamped a bunch of things and I got up really really happy so that's how we met hey Jason how much of that do you recall I remember most of it although yeah it's now been uh, I think I stopped dancing because of COVID in uh, late 2020 obviously shut down because of COVID and then started doing private lessons uh, just with, you know two three people in the room at a distance uh, but yeah now it's been been probably two years since I've been dancing. So you need to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been a while. Yeah. And then so the the topic today is why do when when do I need a tax lawyer? Right. So so let me maybe prep something for everyone. Right? I think everyone uh dying or future podcast listeners, right? We we all most of us are incorporated. And even if you're not you're a sole provider, you will have an accountant, you will have a lawyer. And isn't that enough, right? Why would we ever need a tax lawyer unless we get audited? I think that's the everyday doctor's notion of it, right? And so, and I reach a point because as you know, when you build your businesses, uh, and of course I do a lot of bit, uh, entrepreneurial stuff and uh, real estate. So each time you start a venture, you start a company. So before you know it, I have a, literally have a spider web of so many corporations, I think by the time I brought it to Jason, I have about eight to 12 companies <laughs> and every year there's just money flying everywhere and it's just become bonkers right and my accountant can keep can even keep track and actually one of my ex bookkeeper made a six-figure mistake in these loans and it would have been a disaster right so, so we said we need a similar private and then we have other strategy now a family trust we did major reorg. There was pipeline. There was a few strategies we we're doing, and then so 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 we just needed somebody to clean it up and have a look in from the tax code, right? So so Jason, when you encounter professionals, business owners, especially doctors included, why do they come to you? Yeah. So and that's a great um, great kind of summary of, of how people often do come to us. Is you know the structure has just grown to a level of complexity where it's hard to keep track of and it's good to have even just a second set of eyes to look at it at where you've ended up so you definitely hit the nail on the head of the easy answer of when the tax lawyer comes in is when a dispute comes in that's uh definitely a subset of of tax lawyers i small mix of my practice i do spend more time on the planning side which is of course where uh where i met you so and so on the planning side it, it, it's kind of a mix of uh tax lawyers we kind of exist in the in the middle between the accountants and, and lawyers because uh, tax for both of them is a specialty. Um, I think people kind of inherently know that for lawyers, you know, you have family lawyers, criminal lawyers, real estate lawyers, uh, litigation lawyers. I, I think sometimes people don't realize that with accountants, not every accountant is a tax accountant. There's auditors, there's evaluators, there's uh, compliance people, there's all different kinds of accounting. And even amongst taxation, there's different kinds. There's indirect, uh, taxation, i.e. GST, international, there's M&A tax, there's domestic, international, U.S., all these different types of tax too. So um, I think people, first of all, need to kind of appreciate that, that not every accountant knows uh, exactly um, the same things and, and what to look out for in every type of file. So, and, and that's a good thing about tax lawyers is we kind of exist in that, that middle ground and, and where a lot of people come to us and kind of it was your experience of, you know, you may have an accountant who is not a tax specialist who needs that tax expertise. And they'll come to a tax lawyer because we're very non-threatening. I am not gonna take anyone's accounting work. I'm not an accountant. I don't want to do your financial statements and bookkeeping and all that stuff. 
I want to help with the tax side of things. By the same token, you may also have a, an accountant who is really strong in tax. There are lots of them. And they may be doing something complex and your, your lawyer may not feel comfortable doing that and assisting with that, right? They might be a general practitioner or just a corporate lawyer who doesn't do very much in tax. And so they feel that, you know, that the transactions are sufficiently tax motivated. You know, you want to make sure you do it right so you don't trip up with Canada Revenue Agency. Uh, and so they, again, bring in a tax lawyer specialist side to, to assist on the, the, the lawyer side, the corporate side, to make sure things are, are done uh, correctly and with the code. Um, and then that kind of circles back to the point of, and I'll use the analogy, I think uh, everyone here is probably a doctor. Everyone's familiar with, you know, the, the GP, right, for, for medical practitioners. And in order to speak to a specialist, you have to kind of, you have to go to your GP first. Uh, you know, if you want to talk to a heart or a brain specialist, you have to get referred to them, at least in, in, in our province. That's not the case with, with tax lawyers uh, or accountants and lawyers, I should say, generally. Uh, and that was your experience, right? You, you wanted a second opinion. You didn't have to go back to your, you know, your general practitioner and wait six to nine months. You were able to pick up the phone or meet me on the dance floor and say, Jason, I want a second opinion here. Can you give me one? Which is, and, and there is a sizable <laughs> amount of work who do yeah. just kind of pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm not sure things are right, or I just want a second set of eyes, or, and what also happens when you, when you do have an accountant or lawyer who's a, uh, the GP type, and there's certainly nothing wrong with it. Having a GP for an accountant lawyer is great. Uh, the job is to just issue spot, and again, make those referrals. Sometimes you disagree though, but sometimes GPs can also be on the more conservative side, because if they're not super deep into the tax things, they can be put off by maybe advanced strategies and say, ah, it's too complex. I don't understand where the win is there. Why would we do that? Let's keep it simple. Um, so yeah, being able to just pick up the phone and talk to a specialist, if you've heard you know, a great idea on this, on this, these webinars or this podcast, uh, you say, you know, Wing's telling me that this is a good idea. I want to explore it. And your accountant kind of maybe has never heard of it before or is, is afraid to, to try it. Then again, talking to me directly. And then I can kind of speak to your accountant to explain it to them, myself or, or another tax lawyer, of course, can kind of explain it to them and, and get them on side and make them feel comfortable with it. So, yeah. So, so let's dwell there a little bit because I got a few horror stories to share. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have some colleagues, I've, I'm in a partnership and uh, I've deliberately planned for them to retire gracefully. Right. I know I tell people I'm not a tax lawyer. I'm not an accountant. I'm a doctor, but I know enough just to be dangerous. <laughs> Right. So, so we structure our company carefully so that when they retire, they can be bought out and take advantage of the lifetime capital gains exemption. And then to do that, you need to purify your company. That's another concept. Sorry, guys, we just throw these things out because they are relevant, but but we will dwell into them later on. So actually, definitely by the end, you know how valuable Jason is. Jason will be coming back. And actually, I'm drumming up something called a tax series that I want to have Jason come in on a podcast level, right? And I'm thinking like tax hacks for busy physicians, something like that. <laughs> and and we'll, we'll dive into a few of these. Yeah, so so anyways, and so 10 years came and gone and um, and and their accountant says, oh no, you don't need to purify. Purification for people who are dead. So what, right? And, and so a lot of, we find that a lot of accountants are so uh, risk adverse, right? And, and so, so compared to them, like how do you see, it's the same tax code, right? How do you guys see it differently than the, the average GP accountant? Um, I think it just be, it comes with that experience. I mean, I, 
from from practically day one that I kind of stepped out of law school and, and right into a tax law firm, I was doing kind of the advanced strategies. And that is definitely an advantage of, of the lawyer side where the career of an accountant is is much longer to get to doing tax practice. You know, you've got to spend a couple of years just grinding through audits usually uh, at a big four accounting firm. Then you enter as a, I think it's as a, as a specialist they're called, and then you have to slowly work your way up. And then you have to take the the, the tax specialist program put on by the Canadian Tax Foundation, and then you have to switch to your tax group. So to become a tax specialist in accounting sometimes takes 10, 15 years, and then they start to work on, oh, I want to roll over some assets. I want to do an estate freeze. I want to, again, these kind of more routine transactions, whereas, again, kind of right out of law school, while I was still articling, the first thing that kind of appeared on my desk was some of these, these strategies. And so I think just that familiarity with them of, and um, kind of a good understanding of, of the risk levels, just because from day one, that's that's what I've been working with. The familiarity of them, I think, is probably the the biggest one. And yeah, yeah. So finish the story. So my partners eventually one got bought out, one did not. The one got bought out because the passive income was too good. Stock market was too good. They ended up with uh, losing this small business deduction and ended up with fifty three percent tax bracket and the accountant just gladly says write a tax and and this guy makes a lot of money so that year was five hundred thirty thousand dollars of tax i would have thrown up right so so and and the other guy did not listen finally there's a time to be bought out and this guy did not purify the company so he said no and then the chance is gone now the company has no money to buy him out <laughs> and then i met another lady so i think i sent that person to to jason so the husband died, right? And uh, unfortunate, right? So this is a fresh widow. And the husband got bought up by the company and except the, sh- the money was given to the kids. And and my friend was given a tax bill. And so because, again, did not do it right enough, purified, did not do the lifetime capital gains exemption. So this poor widow, fresh widow, apart from mourning and running the, the funeral, was told by her accountant, say, did your husband invest in something? There's a T5 of $400,000, and now you have a tax bill of $200,000 due in two months. It's just, it's just a, such a horror story, right? And and so she didn't see the money, but she has to cough up 200 grand, right? And, and if she's not liquid enough, <laughs> then she would have been in trouble, right? Right? So... So do you see horror stories like these, Jason? You must have seen some of these. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I mean, the hope is always that you can turn the horror story around because not a small portion of the practice comes from people who, oh, I built this business over the last 20 years. I'm ready to retire. I just got this offer in the mail. Help me structure this for sale. And it's, well, again, often we can help, but it's it's it is usually more complex and expensive when you're doing it on the, the precipice of, of retirement. When again, you have to do these purifications, take all these extra steps where again, um, but I'm sure again, speaking to you know medical analogy, the preventative care, doing it all along usually leads to a much better end result uh, at the, the end of the day, the last stages of the business as well. Making sure that you, you know, if you're generating tons of surplus money, you have a place for that to go that you don't have to purify as much. Making sure you have the right types of shares and the right types of places to get the most efficient tax treatment uh, at time of sale. Um, yeah. 
Right. So I think most of, I'm talking about personal experience, most of my tax advisors are very conservative, right? Like this, this side, you never get audited. This is the side that you may get audited, gray zone. And so they say, I, I remember the first accountant, you'll never be audited with me. But of course, I paid taxes through my nose. And 10 years later, I went to seminars, webinars, whatever. And I say, his name was John, whatever. John, can we do this now? He said, yes. Could I have done it last year? Yeah. Could I have done it 10 years ago? Yeah. Right? Wow. Like the tax implication was huge, right? And and so as, as our financial IQ goes up, these advanced tax strategies show up. And, and then you find that, oh, people who are high up in the high net worth sphere, some of them do it every single year. <laughs> Right, you know, and but but then the accountants don't want to touch it, and then so my first tax lawyer met me. He says I stem approve my advice, and I go to court on your behalf, right? And he told me that the difference is the the, uh, the penalty, right? The, the accountant versus the lawyer. So do you want to expound on that a little bit, uh, Jason? Like how much are they liable? Sure. Yeah. So at least in in Alberta, and I think several other provinces, accountants have the ability to limit their liability as low as the fees paid. So they come up with a complex tax strategy that's going to save you a million dollars, but something goes wrong, um, whose fault it is, who knows, uh, the, the fees may be limited to, sorry, the, the liability may be limited to just the fees paid. So you're you're fighting with the CRA, you owe them a million bucks, uh, but you only paid the accountant $50,000. That's what you can get back. Um, off you go. Lawyers generally do not have the ability to limit their liability. So, and that's an important point. Mm -hmm. Lawyers' fees are often higher than accounting fees, but that comes with kind of you're paying almost for insurance at that point too. Where if something goes wrong, you have the ability to, you know, the lawyer is liable for, for that amount, and, and generally the the lawyers' kind of liability funds are uh, take that into mind too. That lawyers have higher liability as well. So. That's definitely a relevant consideration when you're choosing between a tax tax accountant and a tax lawyer. Yeah, right, right. Yes. Now, talk about cost. I, I often have people to say, "Well, I don't want to pay the money to see a tax lawyer," right? And uh, and last month our webinar is with Goran, and some of you were there. And he's he's a tax strategist. He's not a lawyer. And so uh, Goran and Jason, they do work together. And he threw a lot of these things out, right? And people said, wow, how do we do that? And then and then somebody's typing in the chat and say, it sounded expensive, right? So then, so, okay, let's address the elephants. <laughs> Doctors are cheap. Doctors go to seminars, learn to DIY yourself to financial independence and, and the wealthy land, right? You know, it, hello, hello, hello. You never went to school. How, how do you think you can DIY, right? But doctors are cheap, right? They, they want to fire all their advisors and buy some index funds and then or buy some crypto on the fly and be rich, right? So what are kind of the costs? You know, we, we have national audience, right? Nationwide, how much are tax lawyers worth? Like, do they charge by the hour? Or do they charge by the case? It, it depends. Usually by the hour, although if you're kind of doing something kind of more routine planning, um, I am comfortable block quoting and saying, this is what that particular strategy for you based on all your circumstances should cost and, and sticking to it. Uh, I do that quite, quite a bit because uh, I find clients do like that. You know, we can all quote in ranges and say what your hourly rate is, but then, you know, what does that really mean? Of course you, you give a range and 
uh, the client sees the low end of the range and uh, the professional sees the high end of the range. So, <laughs> so I, I do find <laughs> to the extent possible, it is always great to give a fixed quote so then everyone knows what it is. And, and oftentimes for when I can give a fixed quote, it's for a strategy where the, the benefits are easily calculated. So I can say, you know, this, this planning strategy, whether it's on a sale, whether it's the kind of annual planning, it's going to result in tax savings of X. It's going to cost you Y. X is bigger than Y. Why would we not do this on hourly rates? But it, so that's where, again, it's you know, relatively predictable what's going to be involved, you know, assuming people have clean minute books and no skeletons in the closet. Once you start moving into more bespoke, unique things, hourly rates are definitely relevant. It's hard to, to tell you exactly. I mean, fresh out of school, I'm sure there's tax lawyers somewhere in this country where their rates are, you know, $200 an hour. I know there's some in, in Toronto. Their rates are over 2000 an hour. So it does depend, seniority, mm -hmm. what region you're in. Good thing about tax practice, though, is it's national. So you do have the opportunity to pick your professional, mm -hmm. generally mm -hmm. speaking, across the country because the, our tax code is, is a national code. And I can work on someone who has an issue in Ontario uh, with the national tax code as, as well as someone in Alberta. So, yeah. Right. Yes. So, so there's a wide range, of course, there are hundreds of, of dollars per hour, right? And then people say, well, you know, do you get the money worth, right? So I can say from my personal experience, yeah, we did a strategy while well, a combo. I think my fee was about 30, 35, and we saved about $375,000. So the net savings was about $300,000 north of it. So, and I talk to my colleagues, just, I tell people, I put the money one in my mouth, that's where everything I share, I've done it, right? Um, so people chase the returns, right? Chase, oh, stock, this stock is hot, right? Go up, crypto hot, or this real estate is really good, flip it, make the money. Well, are you ever going to make that kind of return? 10 times, 100 times, right? Like, but if you don't, well, first of all, when you put it like that, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer, right? Spend 30K and save 300. But most people don't even understand that, right? They're, they're, they're just chasing the DIY index fund. Absolutely. Right. And um, <laughs> and that's usually a conversation I do have with people. And it's always good to have it at the outset, right? I mean, if I if I went to you and said, hey, pay me 20000 and I'll give you 200000 you know, if that's... <laughs> and that can usually be fairly easily quantified close to the beginning. Maybe not precisely. If you're talking something more complex, like a sale or something, maybe it's, you know, it's going to depend on some of the attributes of the companies, but you can often get pretty close to, you know, what the advantages are uh, to a plan. And again, they're not always pure tax savings. Sometimes they're tax deferral, which is more confusing where you've, you've saved immediate tax, but the, the tax has been kicked down the road and it'll have to be paid later. But that does have advantage. If you've deferred tax in a company and you can uh, invest it, you know, a higher starting nest egg, but yeah, so the ability to kind of talk about those advantages, that's definitely great for a tax practice generally. I know I sometimes feel for my family and criminal law colleagues who it's much more uncertain what someone is willing to, I don't want to go to jail. I'll pay any amount not to go to jail until you get a $100,000 bill. And it's like, well, how long was it in jail, really? <laughs> you know, I, I, want, uh, I want my kids, uh, you know, 100% access to my kids, right? And again, until you get the massive bill from your lawyer, and maybe you just ended up at 50-50% anyways, but you got your lawyer to fight for that. So I do like tax practice generally, because you can, it is it is math. Of, here's my fees, here's the savings. Yeah. And so I think clients generally appreciate, again, that. And I think you probably know those numbers, because you know how I draft my reporting to you. I, I set them out. I'm like, here's 
here's itemized exactly what we did and, mm -hmm. and the results you got from it. Yeah. So. Right. And and then I kept sharing with my colleagues as we lived through, especially the last few years, CRA has been changing dramatically how they deal with business owners, professionals, especially medical PCs. Right. So, and, and every time I heard about something, I have to pick up the phone and talk to somebody smart like Jason or my other tax consultants. Right. So what have you seen since 2017? What big changes are there and how does it eat us up as professionals? Those new, new tax laws. I mean, the big one is the the TOSI, the tax on split income, which uh, I don't know if you've talked about it on, on past ones. Basic rules kind of being before the TOSI rules, I'll call them. People used to have spouses and children being shareholders of their active PCs and they would pay dividends to them. It's great if you had a, a non-working spouse, you could take advantage of their lower brackets. Same if you had kids going to university or you know buying their first home or a first car, you can kind of uh, put the money right into their hands, use their brackets as opposed to taking it all at your high brackets. So those rules came out uh, in 2017, and they were definitely a wrench, and they changed the, the, the tax landscape. There have been some other changes. I think it was, gosh, now I can't remember if it was before or after that. They also changed the, I think it was after, the ability to practice in a partnership and have kind of the ability to, to have everybody get their small business deduction at the 500000 Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that was a big, that was a big, a big one. one. You used to be able to have, That's a big one. and I knew of them, you'd have practices of, you know, 50 to 100 doctors in, in a clinic. Uh, and despite the size and the revenue, everybody was able to get their small business deduction. Mm -hmm. That's not the case anymore. They've, they've closed that with a very, very complicated series of rules. And then, so, so now it's kind of like everyone shares one crack at it with the one $500,000 limit, as opposed to everybody having their own $500,000 limit. So... The general, and I don't, I think it's it's unfair, although maybe I'm biased. Parliament does definitely have a, a take that professionals generally, be they accountants, do lawyers, doctors, um, you know, that they're not business owners, which I I, I strongly disagree with. Uh, I, I don't know what, what that means. You know, we, we go out, we get clients, we drum a business, we, we start clinics, put up signs, all these things and take significant risks, but they seem to like to treat or, or seem to be trending towards the direction of, you know, ah, they should be treated like employees. It's not fair for them to have PCs. And so I, I think that I haven't seen anything softening that tone of, you know, professionals need to be treated differently than a business, uh, you know, producing widgets or, what, or whatever the classic university example is of your, your textbook uh, business in Economics is my undergrad. There's always the widget factory they used. <laughs> but I think a lot of times, and I'm sure a lot of people on this uh, this webinar and a lot of people listening to this podcasts spend a lot of sleepless nights at times thinking about, you know, if their business has been going through a rough patch or how they're going to grow or, or what the next year looks like and and how they're going to retire because they don't have a, a pension plan like like someone who's... who's so, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, we, see, we see technicals come out where there was a technical yes. recently where... Uh, CRA made some off-the-cuff comments about a, a medical professional that was working for a hospital that kind of a bit of a uproar there about, again, were they really in business if they were just working directly for the hospital as a, as a director? And so kind of a lot of off-the-cuff comments and, and material tax changes as well that they don't necessarily, mm -hmm. I mean, the rules I talked about, TOSI and changing those rules around the $500,000 limit so people couldn't get multiple 
those don't just go after doctors, uh, but they definitely impact mm-hmm. doctors materially. So right now, so so we we need to wrap the, the formal part up, and then we'll open up to Q and A. But I, I think I I mean around three decades. And I've seen a lot of changes and definitely it's eaten up our autonomy from professional level and also from the taxation point of view, right? Our, our take-home pay has been less and less, not just from our respective colleges and provincial payment mechanism, but also from the taxation point of view. It's less and less friendly, right? And if you don't understand it, if your tax accountant is having this, your accountant is having the same Lesson plan is 20 years ago. It's like Mrs. Jones teaches English for the last 20 years, the same Macbeth, same same playbook, right? Sorry, it's changing, right? And, and I definitely see way too many of my colleagues still using the same outdated tech strategy, right? And then, so so a lot of these off, what do you call, what do you call it, off-cuff right, discussion, right? And, and people like you, Jason, read those all the time. Right, that's that's your pastime, right? And and then you can tell us, well, hey, is this a smart one or not so smart one, right? For example, one is just did one a prescribed rate loan for my daughter, right? And uh, who, who just getting her first condo at the, beside a college, and I'm exactly the guy sitting next to me. His daughter is the same boat. I said, have you heard of this? He said, no, I haven't, right? So if you plug in with smart people. You get smart advice, and that could change dramatically, dramatically your cash flow, your long-time tax planning, uh, even estate planning. Right, we, last last mastermind we had was masterclass was begin with the end in mind, right? With estate planning, all that it could be huge difference to your offsprings, right? So, so, anyways, I just want to wrap it up and and say we need our goal here at Physician Empowerment is not to sell you guys anything, but to share our ideas and to disrupt you so that you could think and to equip you so that you can ask smarter questions next time you meet with your accountant or with your tax tax uh, consultants, right? So I want to thank Jason and uh, we'll have Jason back again, May the 7th, uh, virtually, him and other panelists and we'll talk uh, and we'll open it for a Q&A at the end of our whole weekend. Okay, so, and Jason, uh, yeah, as, as I said, uh, and Kevin introduced, he works for KPMG. It's a national firm. It's one of the biggest firms in accounting, and he, he is in the law division, right? And uh, you're, you, I heard that you're doing your uh, West Coast division, right, right now? Uh, yes, the, I'm uh, working towards starting up kind of Western Canada arm to the extent it's, it, it does exist in uh, in Calgary and Vancouver, yeah. but we're seeing it kind of a bit of an expansion and, and stuff. So right. looking into that, yeah. Well, so so congrats and hope everything turns out good. So I definitely thoroughly enjoy our friendship and every time I get smart advice from Jason. Thank you so much for listening to the Physician Empowerment Podcast. If you're ready to take those next steps in transforming your practice, finances, or personal well-being, then come and join us at physempowerment.ca, P-H-Y-S, empowerment.ca to learn more about how we can help. If today's episode resonated with you, I'd really appreciate it if you would share our podcast with a colleague or friend and head over to Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and review. If you've got feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episode topics, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to join us and be interviewed and share some of your story, we'd absolutely love that as well. Please send me an email at kmilo at fizzempowerment.ca. Thank you again for listening. Bye.